I want Chuck to say hi to the audience. Bring Chuck in there. Yeah, where is this guy? Sit. Sit, Chuck. Okay. Here's Chuck. (laughs) He's really a fine animal. Uh, He doesn't listen that well. He lived the first year of his life in a field in West Virginia. I would say this, Peter, we have now uh, two beings, two living creatures from West Virginia on on Peacock. You have Mike Florio and Chuck the Dog. <laughs> We've doubled the tell, amount. I should, t- I should really tell Mike about this. Unlike Chuck, I am not housebroken. Good morning. It's PFT Live. <laughs> Mike Florio. <laughs> There's a lot of different ways that could go. Let's just say good morning and hello, and I hope Chuck is doing well today, Peter. Welcome back. It's uh, the final day of what has been a nutty week, and it only promises to get nuttier as we get into next week, the official launch of free agency on Wednesday, the official launch of the tampering period on Monday, and a lot of stuff is happening now. And it's been one a day, a trade a day this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We'll see what happens on Friday. Maybe something will happen during this show. How surprised have you been by what we've seen this week, big picture? Well, Mike, as I sat here sort of in the bleachers just watching the football world go by after my column went up on Monday, I see the first player in the NFL since 1963 get suspended for a year for gambling. Uh, I see Aaron Rodgers going back to the Packers. Not a, not a shocker there, but the fact is now it's done. You see Russell Wilson getting traded to Denver, and just immediate thought is that George Payton was just not going to take this Trevor Simeon, Brock Osweiler treadmill anymore. He, he's... You know, he was gonna he was gonna play very, very big in the quarterback game. Then the next day you got Carson Wentz kind of slithering off to Washington, right? I mean, in I, I wouldn't say in disgrace, but in you know, like can you imagine four years ago if somebody told you that Carson Wentz was getting traded for two threes? I mean, you know, that's just it's it's just crazy. And then, obviously, uh, you know, the Khalil Mack trade. But you know what, Mike? The one thing that I think is big that got very little attention this week that not many people have really focused on is Bobby Wagner getting, getting, getting cut by the Seahawks. Because, to me, it, the symbolism of Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner Leaving Seattle on the same day is just gigantic. It's John Schneider and Pete Carroll saying to the world, it's a new day in Seattle. Hey, we had a great run, but it's time to rebuild here. Which, you know what, I'll tell you this. John Schneider gets a tremendous amount of guff for, for a lot of things, for the Jamal Adams straight, for all these things. I still think... John Schneider is one of the best general managers in the league because when he has a problem, he confronts it. He doesn't mollycoddle it, you know, and and that is what I think he's done a good job with right now about his team. But I think overall, Mike, we're in a part of the year, in my opinion, 
the time right before free agency, the league year and trading officially begins, that teams get their ducks lined up in a row. And particularly in a time when so many teams are snug up against the cap and they've got to make major moves. Those major moves are not finished. I'm still stuck on the fact that I heard the word mollycoddle today. See, the difference between Monday through Thursday for me and Friday for me is Sims could possibly accidentally articulate a word like mollycoddle and have no idea whether or not it's a word, and he gets lucky sometimes. Surgicality was his offering yesterday, and I'm still not sure whether or not surgicality what is a word. What does that mean? But, well... Something like surgical, and he'll just throw oh, letters okay. All right. and, and phrases and, and stuff onto the back end of a word, and it sounds good to him. Sometimes it's not a word. Sometimes it is. He's never quite sure. Mike, are you, Molly saying, Coddle, Molly are you saying that Chris Sims – are you saying that Chris Sims did not major in English at the University of Texas? But his instincts are so uncanny that he can find his way through this morass of just accidental, spontaneous speech into actual words. That's what's amazing about it. It's either a Simsism or it's Chris Sims' accidental scholar. And more often than not recently, something that on the surface feels like a word that's not a word, it ends up being a word, and it causes us to spend a lot of time checking Google and Dictionary.com. But I don't have to check Dictionary.com to know that mollycoddle is a word, and I love it. Mollycoddle. Uh, okay, so, and, and I was on radio with the folks at KJR in Seattle on Wednesday, and they were doing some polling locally, and, and folks there more upset about Wagner than Wilson leaving which is stunning to me. And maybe it's just because they've kind of had this Wilson fatigue the past few years, sensing deep down that at some point yeah. he was going to go. Wagner, as the, as the uppercut after the, the right hook of Wilson, then here as you're, as you're on the ropes with Wilson, here comes Wagner. Maybe that's another reason why it hit Seahawks fans even harder. Russell Wilson probably not real thrilled to hear that people were more attached to Wagner than him, but that was the initial reaction as of Wednesday night. Yeah, I think Russell Wilson would probably say, um, you know, quarterback is the guy who you really need to make everything go. Um, and the quarterback who visited children's hospitals for a long time without getting any attention for it, he just went. Um I, you know, ended every interview with Go Hawks. Uh, it's it's odd, but I do think that people there are probably sick of the drama and uh, figure that at some point he was going to move on anyway. I think the the Wilson thing or the um, the Wagner thing was a little bit unexpected, Mike, but it probably shouldn't be because if you play ten years in the NFL at a collision sport position like inside linebacker, in year 11, you're not going to be the same guy you were in year three. That's all there is to it. And so, you know, I think you rip the Band-Aid off all at once 
and you say, hey, here's a new team. I mean, to me, the biggest question about the Seahawks is, do you want to head into this period of rebuilding uh, with a 70-year-old coach? And they apparently do. And we'll see how long it takes them to rebuild. They built in just three seasons when Pete Carroll and George Schneider arrived in 2010. They had a playoff team by 2012. They had a playoff team by 2010. They Actually, that was the year that they kind of stumbled their way into the NFC West Championship and then beat the Saints in the wild card round of the Beastquake game. But they had their fully formed team by 2012, won the Super Bowl in 2013. And Russell Wilson, welcome to Denver. Welcome to the AFC West, where there is a cradle of franchise quarterbacks. Now you get to run away from Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa in the same game at the same time. That was the news that capped the week so far. Khalil Mack, after being traded from the Raiders to the Bears several years ago, traded from the Bears to the Chargers, and the Chargers give up a second-round pick this year, 2023 sixth-rounder for the Bears. Mack missed most of last season with injury. He was the 2016 Defensive Player of the Year, but he has been a disappointment overall, given what the expectations were. I mean, he's still a great player, but he wasn't. I mean, he and Aaron Donald were neck and neck at one point, Peter. And Donald has continued the upward trajectory, and Khalil Mack has plateaued, if not dipped. It's, it's, it's that simple. But there was a time when Donald and Mack were spoken in the same breath. That time has ended. I think what's probably going to help Khalil Mack now is obviously being opposite Joey Bosa, having uh, a really great safety like Derwin James behind him. Um, and look, I'll tell you this. A week ago at the Combine, I sat for 45 minutes with Brandon Staley, and I can tell you, I do not think they're done at all. And I believe that they're going to add one more big piece out of free agency. I don't know who it's going to be. Could it be J.C. Jackson, maybe? Uh, If the Giants cut James Bradbury, as has been widely um, speculated on uh, in New York, uh, could he be going? I believe they're going to they're gonna get one more piece to their puzzle now that they've re-signed Mike Williams and added uh, Khalil Mack. Those are two huge money pieces, but they've still got some money to, left to do something. And Mike, I think if I were Russell Wilson, and one of the things that yesterday I started thinking about writing for, for next week is imagine you're Russell Wilson, and let's say like, probably at least for the next year and maybe like for the next two years. Here's what you have. You go in to play the Raiders twice a year and you've got uh, Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, You go in to play the Chargers and you've got Khalil Mack and you've got uh, Joey Bosa. You go in and play Kansas City. Now, that is a very fluid, flexible place on defense. But however it works out, you know, Frank Clark or whoever, you've got a defensive coordinator who made a name for himself and basically got a head coaching job by putting a line together for the New York Giants that totally frustrated uh, the New England Patriots and Tom Brady and beat them in a Super Bowl when they were 18-0. and 0. So they'll figure a way to get to the passer. But those, thank you very much, are your six 
foes annually in this division. And Mike, I, I mean, this has to be, has to be one of the best divisions uh, maybe in history, but certainly in recent NFL history. Top to bottom, the best four quarterbacks in one division, that's for sure. And the, the conference, too. You know, the, the, think of the, the, if, if there were scales, even, it's this week alone, it's, it's going more and more. It was already going this way toward the AFC, but it's going more and more toward the AFC with these yeah. great players jumping from the NFC via trade this week, and who knows what will happen in free agency because I think you've got a full-blown arms race in the AFC West now. MDS points out that the Chargers will still have roughly $25 million in cap space even after the MAC trade goes through because Justin Herbert is in the third year of his rookie contract. Now is the time to spend. Now is the time before you have to give Justin Herbert – market value or close to it after this season this is the year to go all in this is the window to parlay young relatively cheap quarterback contract into super bowl run and so i agree with you i think the chargers are going to do more they're going to do what they can to try to compete with the other teams in their division and if anything the arrival of russell wilson increases the urgency and peter the other side of it they're in Los Angeles with the Super Bowl champions who have been going all in and going all in and going all in. And we've wondered whether and to what extent the NFL and inherently copycat operation is going to have other teams that start behaving the same way. Well, the team that plays in the same stadium as the Super Bowl champions is behaving that way. It looks like it, Mike. And... And, you know, especially if they were, I think the perfect guy for them to add is J.C. Jackson, the New England corner, uh, because of what has happened in the division. They have six games every year now against Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, um, and who am I forgetting, Derek Carr. And so, to me, I think you look at a team like, uh, like the Chargers, and you basically say, you know, in order to compete, we got to do exactly what the other teams in our division are doing. Now, Kansas City hasn't done anything, but they don't really have to. Um, and, and look, I think the Raiders are going to be highly interesting because, look, they've had a sea change. You know, without Mike Mayock now, without John Gruden, it happened, you know, in the, in the, blink, of an eye, in the blink of an eye, basically. But now with Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler, a total unknown quantity, um, I'm sure to anybody in Vegas. And, and so to me, I think those are the two teams I'm looking at now. After you look at what has happened it, with the Chargers and the Broncos, it's sort of a check checkmate kind of deal. You know, what, what will the Raiders do? I'll tell you this. I think the Raiders, and I'm not saying that they're going to have a Boy Scout quotient in their future draft picks and uh, free agent signings. But I do think maybe it's anecdotal, Mike. Maybe it isn't. But they've had a couple of very high recent draft choices in Henry Ruggs III and in Damon Arnett uh, get in monumental trouble. 
And I think they're going to be a little bit more cautious on the, uh, you know, I, I don't even mean it's, I don't even mean they're going to be taking all Eagle Scouts. But I do think they're going to look a little bit more closely at what happens when you give 22-year-old people a lot of money. And who knows, did that have a lot to do with Arnett and Ruggs? I don't know. Uh, I do know this, that, that Ruggs, to me, uh, I, I mean, I, I know a couple of people at Alabama, and they, their jaws, I think, are still on the floor because he just, you know, he never did anything anywhere even close to what he did with the Raiders. But, but anyway, be that as it may, I think now it's time for the Raiders and time for the Chiefs to, sh- to show their hand uh, in the next few days as we approach the start of the league year. And, Peter, there's one extra factor about the Raiders. 22-year-old guy, a lot of money, living in Las Vegas. That's the other side of this. Yeah. That just kind of got glossed over That's by the, the NFL when they moved a team to Las Vegas. But, uh, you yeah. know, look at what happened with Calvin Ridley. That was how this crazy upside-down week got started And you've got guys who walk out the front door of their apartment building and there's a casino. So, uh, yeah, different world, different time. And with McDaniels and Ziegler there, it's Patriot Way. Patriot Way, typically, 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 there are some exceptions, some noteworthy exceptions. But typically, Patriot Way shies away from folks who would engage in those kinds of antisocial behaviors if they have reason to know about it, and sometimes they do, and they still make the move anyway. Let's look at this from the Bears' perspective. Because clearly, new regime, Ryan Pulse and Matt Eberflus, first big move, ripped the Band-Aid off of a trade that was ill-advised by the past regime. There had been some chatter in the past. There was even a story last year about Khalil Mack possibly being traded back to the Raiders, or at least the phone call was made. And I remember on this show we said, well, phone calls get made all the time about hypotheticals and theoreticals and trades that could happen. Just the fact that a call was made doesn't mean it's significant. The fact that it bubbled up to the surface, there may have been a method to that, and now you've got new coach, new GM, first order of business, see you later, Khalil Mack. That, that, that just shows that no one's sacred. When you get a change at the top of the organization, no one is sacred, Peter. Well, and I think for them to eliminate, and Mike, I'm going to be off a little bit, but basically to eliminate about $22 million uh, a year over the next three years uh, in your salary cap obligations is absolutely huge, obviously. And in addition, I think one of the things that that Ryan Poles saw and what Ryan Poles knows is that if you look at this draft coming up, what has everybody said? Uh, you know, and, and Daniel Jeremiah said it to me a couple of weeks ago. On many boards, the 15th pick is, or on some boards, the 15th pick to another team will be the 60th pick on their board. So what I think a lot of teams believe with this draft is that you can really get fat in the second, third, and fourth rounds with starting players. And so if you're the Bears and you have an opportunity to make a trade to rid yourself of a guy who really hasn't played up to the money in the last couple of years, 
whatever the reason is, injuries, whatever it is, he really hasn't played up to the money. And you have an opportunity to get one of these good, young, cheap players for your team. I think it's one of those things that Ryan Poles figures he has to do. Look, I sat down with Ryan Poles at the Combine. Never met him in my life. Didn't know him at all. And I believe what you're going to see with Ryan Poles is a little bit of a new way of thinking. Um, Mike, last year, Ryan Poles spent, I, I'm, I, I don't know how many days, a couple of days in New York. He, he wasn't a general manager at the time. He was just in the Chiefs front office. And he went to New York. He made a friend, uh, you know, atop the New York Yankees. And he wanted to see how a storied franchise like the Yankees handles personnel, handles its salary structure, everything like that. And I think that is just a measure of who he is. He's, a, he's kind of a thoughtful guy who's not going to be married to anything that has been done in the past. And on this, with this move, I like what he has done because the Bears are who they are right now. And to rid yourself of an anchor that is basically going to be 10 to 12% of your cap over the next two years, and you're not sure that you're going to get that much production, you know, relative to the money you're spending, I thought it was a good move by him. Well, and look, this is the time to make those moves. It's the time to lay the foundation for the future. And as we see deep draft classes coming to the NFL, Sims and I were talking about this earlier. Look at all the fast guys, fast receivers, all the 4-3 guys. You know, at a time when Allen Robinson, Bears receiver, is becoming a free agent, do you pay for a guy who's been in the NFL for six, seven, eight years when you could just go and draft one of these young guys who runs a 4-3 and pay him a hell of a lot less money. That, that's the, the disconnect in the NFL, what it costs to pay a veteran, what it costs to invest in a rookie. And, yeah, you don't know what that rookie ceiling is going to be, and some of those guys are going to wash out. But the financial risk is so low. Plenty of free agents wash out, too. Plenty of the money that's going to be spent this week is going to be wasted because the guys have already played their best seasons in the NFL. They're available to jump from one team to another for a reason. I always say there's a red flag. If, if the team that knows the guy best is willing to say, bye-bye, you, you, you should at least factor that into your decision to throw him a giant bag of money. So, you know, this fits with what you're saying. From Ryan Pohl's perspective, he's better off stockpiling draft picks getting cheap contracts, and seeing who becomes good players and who doesn't. And, you know, I think the one other part of it right now, Mike, when you look at the Chicago Bears, look, you know, they did an unexpected thing when they hired Matt Eberflus as head coach. And if you look at the work that Matt Eberflus has done where he's been, I'm not saying he's a miracle worker. He lays hands on guys and they play better. But what I am saying is that the Indianapolis Colts, I have always thought are one of those teams that on defense played a little bit better than its talent was. And in my opinion, I think Matt Eberflus has the kind of faith uh, in his ability to get something out of players. Okay, we don't have a first round pick and... Or we don't have our own first-round pick. 
But we're going to have a couple of picks, you know, wherever they are. I think two picks now in the top 50. And we are confident in our ability not only to pick the right guy, but in order, in order to get him play well, to coach him up. And I think that Eberflus, look, there's no way if Eberflus is pounding his uh, fist on the table with, with Ryan Poles, I would think that Ryan Poles would say, well, my coach really wants this guy. And so we'll kind of take the cap pain to, to hang in there. But Matt Eberflus, at least tacitly, had to be on board with this. So, I, I mean, look, I sense right now a little bit of a shift toward going younger and maybe a little bit more unknown uh, in Chicago with the Bears. And they're in the early stages of the Justin Fields contract, so this would be the time where you would spend money, you would go all in, but they don't know what they have in Fields yet. And this is why I was so stunned that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy were fired after one year when they got the permission to give up this year's first-round pick last year to move up and get Justin Fields. I just assume they're going to give these guys a shot because when you bring in a new coach and a GM, not only is Khalil Mack at risk, there's a chance that somebody's going to come to the conclusion that, yeah, we didn't really like Justin Fields. And, yeah, we know we made a big investment, but if we don't like him and we think it was a mistake, the worst thing we can do is double down on that mistake. And I'm not saying that's going to happen. All I'm saying is when you have a new coach and a new GM and they've never been head coach or GM before in their lives, anything can happen. New bosses come in, new bosses take over, and they have their way of doing things. And the first move for the Bears, obviously, to shed that Khalil Mack contract and the player who, you know, Peter, I'm looking, he he had four straight seasons of double-digit sacks. And even in his first year in Chicago in 2018, he missed a couple of games and had 12 and a half sacks his second highest total of his career, but it's fallen off since then. Eight and a half, nine, and six. And last year, the first significant absences with those 10 games missed due to the foot problem. And, you know, it's it's uh, eight years into the NFL, same year as Aaron Donald. And as I said earlier, they were, they were uttered in the same breath at one point, not anymore, and we'll see. And now they're in the same stadium, different teams, same stadium, Mac and Donald, and we'll see what Mac can do uh well why don't we go ahead i mean we yeah, I, I'm, it's so strange to be ahead of schedule rarely if ever do i look down at the target for wrapping up the first segment of the show and realize we've got some time but let's go ahead and kick it forward let's budget that time for other things that we can talk about because shockingly there are plenty of other things to discuss in the nfl peter and when we return You know, sometimes they say there aren't enough good quarterbacks around. This year, there aren't enough bad quarterbacks to go around. Does that finally open the door five years later for a quarterback who has been shunned by the NFL and its teams? We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. Colin Kaepernick posted a workout video yesterday. There he is doing his thing. Shefty reported that Kaepernick's in the best shape of his life, and he still wants to say, lather, rinse, repeat. It's always the same report. He's in the best shape of his life, and he's waiting for an opportunity. Five years after, he opted out of his contract with the 49ers at a time when the 49ers would have cut him if he hadn't. He's still waiting for a real opportunity. He was shunned wrongfully by the NFL. We've established that by now. They paid a settlement, a seven-figure, maybe eight-figure settlement to Colin Kaepernick for colluding in their desire to keep him out of the league, even though he plays 
the most important position in the game, and he was playing it at a sufficiently high level to at least be employed by an NFL team. Peter, here was my first reaction. Because I had a couple people email me yesterday. Sims and I went through all the teams that don't have quarterbacks, all the teams that may have quarterbacks, all the teams that claim they have quarterbacks and maybe they don't. And I had multiple emails from viewers saying, what about Colin Kaepernick? Is this the chance for Colin Kaepernick? And I think, no, five years. At some point, you successfully shun someone long enough that it's over. Five years later, they've congratulations, NFL. You pulled it off. You blackballed this guy. You violated his rights. You thumbed your nose at him. You put your finger in his eye. You gave all of us the middle finger by insulting our intelligence as to why he doesn't have a job in the NFL. But five years later, the ship has sailed. Has it not, Peter? I think it probably has. Um, And I think even a team that would not give two darns about uh, what public perception or anything like that was at a time that they need a quarterback. First thing I thought when I saw that yesterday was – the Pittsburgh Steelers. What the Steelers do when Brian Flores sued the league? They hired Brian Flores. What did the Steelers do at all times when they, uh, you know, I, I'm reminded, and this is a different, this is a football part of it. Everybody said, what in the world are you doing trading a one for Minka Fitzpatrick? Giving up your one for a safety? What is that? That's turned out to be a really good deal for them. So, the Steelers very often go against the grain. And now that they're sitting there, maybe, maybe uh, in the sweepstakes for Jimmy Garoppolo, but, but just wondering, gee, I wonder what Kaepernick really does have left. And, you know, you think about it, and, and one of the first things I think about, because, you know, my in-laws are all from Pittsburgh, my wife is from there, and I know Pittsburgh, is that they do not, you know, they wouldn't love uh, anybody who wore, you know, uh, pig socks, you know, the, you know who, who uh, demeaned police officers uh, with those socks that he wore. But, but look, my whole point is it is going to take, if it ever happens, it's going to take an organization like the Pittsburgh Steelers, who would say, we don't care what the outside world thinks. If we think that there's a scintilla of a chance that this guy could help, and it wouldn't be the most distracting thing in the world, then let's sign him and bring him to minicamp and just see how he plays and then decide whether we want to take him to training camp or not. Look, I have no idea if they're even remotely interested but that's the one team I think of, especially now uh, in this time of the quarterback wasteland in free agency in the draft, relatively speaking. I, I think it's a, it's a why not. The article I wrote last night making the case that the, the door is shut on Colin Kaepernick given the mere passage of time during which the NFL successfully shunned him, it ended with this observation. Meanwhile, the starting quarterback in Pittsburgh is Mason Rudolph. And, Peter, look, and I feel bad. I mean, Pittsburgh's only 100 miles away. Mason Rudolph can come down here and beat the crap out of me, and he may do it at some point. But the Steelers cannot 
go forward with Mason Rudolph as their quarterback. They cannot do it, Peter. We have seen enough. It's over. It's done. Don't even yeah. – it occurred to me earlier this week, maybe they're just messing with us. Maybe they're just trying to set up whatever move they're going to make by acting like Mason Rudolph is their guy. They can't go forward with Mason Rudolph. And, yes – Five years later, Colin Kaepernick is still better than Mason Rudolph will ever be. Here's the problem. It's one thing to give Brian Flores a no-brainer job on your coaching staff. That's one thing. You're not going to have any of the people in Pittsburgh pissed off about that. But here's the problem. And I hate articulating this because I think it's wrong. I think it's wrong-headed. But at some point... When you run a business that is premised on separating people from their money, getting people to show up in your stadium so that they can separate even more of their money from themselves by buying all sorts of overpriced crap, which is part of the grift, frankly, why do you want to piss off 30% of them right out of the gates? At a time when local viewership of the Steelers is down by 10%, at a time when they've had According to an article that was in PennLive.com last week, 8,000 no-shows on average per game last year. Not unsold tickets. They have a waiting list. Of course, so did Washington until they admitted they were lying about it, but I digress. You want people to show up and you want people to engage. I've lived in and around Pittsburgh my whole life. Grew up 60 miles from Pittsburgh. Went to college in Pittsburgh. Practiced law in Pittsburgh. I'm sitting 100 miles from the Golden Triangle right now. They signed Colin Kaepernick. There's going to be hell to pay in Pittsburgh by a certain percentage of the fan base. I don't think Art Rooney wants that right now. And again, I hate saying it because it shouldn't be this way. But it is. And when you have a business that is fundamentally not a sports business, an entertainment business, you got to be sensitive to things like that. I hate saying it, but it's also the truth. Let me ask you this question. Right now, today, if you were the owner of Franchise X and you lived in Nirvana, USA, all right, and I asked you, I have two free agents out here. One is Andy Dalton. One is Colin Kaepernick. My question to you would be, first of all, did you know that Andy Dalton and Colin Kaepernick not only are both 34, but they were born five days apart. So they're the same age. So let's say everything else was taken off the table. You've got one guy who's been playing consistently, getting the tar beat out of him and not playing particularly well, versus a guy who at one point looked like he could be really, really good in the NFL and then all heck broke loose, and it's been five years since he played in the game. I'm, I'm just asking you, who would you pick to sign as a prospect to perhaps quarterback your team in 2022? Let me take your comparison one step farther. They also were drafted the same year, the same round. Same round. Back to back. Dalton... 35, Kaepernick, 36, back-to-back, Dalton to the Bengals, Kaepernick to the 49ers, consecutive selections. And we, 
I, I don't think we ever quite connected them because Dalton was the starter right away. Dalton went to the playoffs first five years, and then Tr- Kaepernick had his trajectory the next year where he goes to the stratosphere. Remember 2013, August, Ron Jaworski then with ESPN gives the four-letter network multiple days of programming as the snake ate its own tail, talking about Jaworski's hot take that Kaepernick may be the greatest quarterback of all time and how that blew up. So, yeah, all hell did break loose late August of 2016 when Colin Kaepernick decided, well, and it wasn't the first time he decided to sit. It, the first time we saw it in late August, it was because he had his jersey on. The first two times he wasn't in uniform that preseason, so people didn't notice. But that's when everything changed. And if it was Nirvana, well, if it was truly Nirvana, I wouldn't be choosing between Andy Dalton and Colin Kaepernick to be my quarterback. That already undermines Nirvana, <laughs> if those are my choices. But, but... I'm picking Kaepernick over Andy Dalton at this point. Absolutely I am. If if I don't have to worry about 30% of my customer base, at a minimum, huffing and puffing and threatening to blow my house down, possibly blowing my house down, and I'm hinging so much on Kaepernick being able to win enough games to shut them up. See, the problem is... That 30% is going to constantly look for any flaw, any issue, any problem, bad decision, interception, fumble, sack, whatever. He's going to be scrutinized so much more than any other quarterback would be. But, again, we're talking about Nirvana. I don't have to worry about that. If I don't have to to be concerned with 30% of my fan base being pissed off at me and putting my new quarterback under a gigantic microscope, yeah, I, I, I would do it. If I didn't have to worry about that, I would do it. What if Colin Kaepernick walked into the Pittsburgh Steelers and he sat down with Mike Tomlin, Kev, the outgoing Kevin Colbert, but he's still there, obviously, through this draft, and Art Rooney, and they made this request of him? Not to make him a eunuch, okay? But that's another non-Sims word. But, uh, you know, in in order to basically find out how serious he would be about wanting to do this, if they said to him, we ask, okay, the only thing that we ask is that during the season, okay, uh, that we leave all uh, social things, anything that you're going to do socially, we leave all that to Tuesday, okay? And all the rest of your time is spent on football, okay? And then in the offseason, you you do whatever you want. But, Mike, I've heard this before, okay? And it reminds me of a team that, do you remember there were a few teams a few years ago when this happened who seriously were thinking about Colin Kaepernick who had internal discussions about Colin Kaepernick? Yes. And I talked to a high-ranking official for one of the teams. And I just said, are you a little worried about the sideshow? And I'm going to tell you exactly what this person said. What we think is that on day one, maybe, uh, you know, he comes out to practice and then there's Anderson Cooper on the sidelines. On day two... Uh, maybe, you know, whoever else is on the sidelines, you know, and, and trying to get his attention so that maybe 
he'll do an interview with him or, or something like that. And if all of that stuff at some point, you know, it reminds me of the whole Michael Sam thing. It, it, Michael Sam was a lot less than what Kaepernick would be. But, oh, geez, aren't you worried about drafting an openly gay player? And the Rams knew that after a couple of days, you know, that it was just going to be a non-factor. And my only reason that I bring this up, Mike, is that in my opinion, if Colin Kaepernick were competing for the starting quarterback job of the Pittsburgh Steelers, if he were, or, or, or Team X, just make it Team X, the anger of all of the people who were totally ticked off that he got signed is going to start to, d- to dissolve when he throws a 63-yard touchdown pass to Juju Smith-Schuster to beat the Ravens in early October. That's all I'm saying. And I'm not saying he would do that. I'm not saying he would be good. But people who are generally the people who yell the loudest, all of a sudden clam up when a guy plays well. That's just my gut feeling. Well, and it just raises the stakes. That's the problem. He'd better be great or they won't clam up. By the way, before I go forward, I have to mention that it was perfect that you invoked Sims after using the word eunuch because he tells a great story about the time Vince Woolfolk almost made him a eunuch. So that's, that's very well done. Um, as it relates to Kaepernick, though, here's, here's, my, here's my broader concern. Because from the moment he became a free agent in 2017, I, I sensed that the NFL collectively was going to keep him out of the game. That, that we started seeing arguments from media, arguments that had been planted by people from the league, negatives about Colin Kaepernick, reasons why he shouldn't be signed. And it was all bullcrap. But it all supported this idea that he didn't deserve, based on merit, a spot in the NFL. And he clearly did deserve a spot in the NFL. He clearly did deserve an opportunity to at least compete to be a starter somewhere. At some point, however, Peter, I think it became cat and mouse kind of a game between the league and Colin Kaepernick and maybe it was the 2019 workout that fell flat when both sides were to blame for the haggling over the release that the league wanted Kaepernick to sign and Kaepernick thought that it was too broad and it potentially would take away legal rights he still has to this day to have a second claim against the NFL for collusion motivated by retaliation against him for the first collusion claim that forced them to pay between 5 and $10 million. That, that is a viable claim. To the extent people think he's litigious, he is restrained from pursuing what would be a very viable claim for collusion based on retaliation. But the concern was in November of 2019, from his perspective, they were trying to get him to sign away those rights. Both sides, both sides were setting each other up that was the feeling it was kind of like let's we haven't made a Seinfeld reference yesterday it was kind of like the time George was driving the in-laws well his would have been in-laws because his his fiance died while licking toxic envelopes for their wedding invitations but I digress and he pretended he had a house in the Hamptons and they knew he didn't so both sides were just doing this let's push this to the brink I feel like at some point with the NFL and Kaepernick it's become this 
this they pretend to be interested, but they're really not. And they know the other side isn't interested, so they pretend they're interested to flesh out the other side. And it never really gets to the point where somebody has to make a big move because this would be easy. Offer him a one-year deal for the veteran minimum. No one's ever done that because there's an element of fear there that he would take it just to call their bluff. And he never comes out and says, hey, I would just take a one-year minimum deal for fear of someone calling his bluff. And I feel like that's what it became after the first couple of years. It's no longer about Colin Kaepernick wanting to play football, and it's no longer about a team looking for a green light from someone who otherwise may be upset that they would do this. And, and it became about NFL and Kaepernick jockeying for position in this game yeah. that they're playing of we really are interested, but we really aren't. But we, we want to create the impression that we kind of are, but there's only so far that we're going to go, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah, look, in my opinion... And look, far be it for me to say what I would do if I were Colin Kaepernick. I don't know how Colin Kaepernick could expect anybody to offer him. What does he expect? A, a, a $2 million signing bonus and then X, Y, and Z? I mean, if I were him, I would... I'm seriously. I'm serious. If he really wants to play football right now, if I were him, I would say, just bring me in for the veteran minimum, you know, and then let's see what happens. Um and and in, because look, anybody who hasn't played football for this long, you're just assuming that the rust is going to be too much to knock off. That's got to be the assumption. And if you really want to play football, that's what I'd do. If I hey look, if I had been unemployed for five years and I was dying to get back into it, I would be saying, man, just let me back in the game. But again, none of us have talked to Colin Kaepernick in in years. You know, Mike, what I thought was really one of the most interesting things I've done, whatever, in the back nine of my career, uh, in 2013, when I started the MMQB uh, at Sports Illustrated, this, this little microsite at SI, one of the things that we did at the start of the, of the site, I convinced the 49ers, because at the time, Kaepernick was a huge name in this game you know he had just come off the Super Bowl and 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 all that and and he agreed to let me go with him to Turlock California uh, which is about 90 minute drive from Santa Clara maybe two hours and I interviewed him on the way there and on the way back to Santa Clara and it was you know we talked about everything everything and what I'll never forget ever is the fact that when we got there, a bunch of police officers at that time, and this is before any of all this stuff had happened, these, these cops who were just doing security both at graduation, and it was crazy to have Colin Kaepernick there, so there was a lot of hubbub around him. And one of the cops basically was showing him his tattoos and they were talking about tattoos for 15 or 20 minutes. And I just, after everything that has happened, I think back to that day and I think how interesting it, it is that he felt such a kinship to the guys that day who were protecting him. And 
it's such a complex thing, the life and times of Colin Kaepernick. And it's amazing. That's nine years ago. What, you know, sitting down with him for, and being around his family too, for six or eight hours total. But I remain convinced to this day that I think, I think that if someone had signed him 2017, 2018, that it could have worked out because I, and I'm not saying it absolutely would have, I'm not, but I'm saying that I think when it came time to play football, he was really going to try to be a great player because he loves football. He happens to love these social issues just as much, but isn't that okay? Don't other football players that you know and have heard of love things either almost as much as football or maybe even a little bit more so? And that's why I really will always wonder, what if? Well, I want to approach it from a slightly different perspective. And I want to ask anyone out there who may be watching or listening, either on Peacock, Sirius XM85, Podcast, Sky Sports, wherever. And if you are, thank you very much for that. But Let's put our sh- ourselves in our own jobs, whatever our career choice is, whatever it is, whatever you're doing for a living. Let's say that in your line of work, your chosen profession, you have accomplished great things. You have set yourself up for promotions, pay raises. You have reached the pinnacle of your profession. Then, because you said or did something that you believed was right, and that you had every right to do. You, had every, you were acting within your legal rights. You were acting within the confines of the rules that applied to you. You did nothing wrong. You are prevented from working at this job at which you have become a star. For not one year, but five years. And now, now after all that, they want you to come back and work for minimum wage. They want you to come back and act like an entry-level guy. Or maybe maybe you should really prove that you love the thing at which you were so good by going to play in the USFL, the XFL, the AAF, or somewhere else for minimum wage. Their version of minimum wage, which is far less than the other version of minimum wage. So when you look at it from that perspective, Peter, if it was me... I'd be damn pissed off, and I wouldn't want to do it. Why should I have to do it? You deprived my career from me. You took away my career in my prime. And now, to prove that I really love the thing that you stole from me, I have to work for peanuts? Get the hell out of here with that. I mean, it isn't to prove it is not. It's not to prove that you love it. It's to prove, I I mean, how how good is it? That you can still do it? After not doing Uh, it for five years. But I shouldn't have to do that because I've already done that. I've already climbed the mountain. And look, I understand what you're saying. For football, it's different because, he ha- because they've successfully blackballed him for five years. So now he does have to prove to himself and everyone else he can still do it. That's a tough mental hurdle to get over. Just the fact that even if it's right, and, you're, and I agree with you, I'm just saying if I'm the guy, but it's Mike, okay. had my career let taken me, away from let me. me, I, me I sh- I, I'm going to have a hard time doing that. 
let me ask this question. Let me just ask you this. Suppose you're the Steelers and suppose you, you do a contract that basically says, hey, look, if you make our team, okay, if, if you, you know, draw this so that you get a, like, a final 53 roster bonus, you know, do whatever on Labor Day weekend or, or you know, whenever the, you know, the rosters are solidified. And then at the end of the year, if you had, if you've started X games, there's whatever, you know, $8 million in it or something like that. In other words, it's not designed for him. He shouldn't play this year at whatever it would be, seven or $800,000. I don't mean that. What I mean is, you come in right now. Let's see if it works out. And if it works out, then all of these plateaus are eminently reachable if you are the starting quarterback of this team. That is what, if, if I were the Steelers, I'd be willing to do that. You just finished paying your quarterback a jillion dollars every year for the last, whatever, 10 years, Roethlisberger. I mean, you're going to end up paying a quarterback less significantly less uh so my point is come in without don't come in thinking you're getting a 10 million dollar signing bonus or something like that just come in and if it works out then you make a lot of money I just don't see it happening as a practical matter because of the 30% alienation of the fan base that yeah. goes along with it. And and to those of you wondering why we spent so much time talking about this today, first of all, I think we've presented many useful angles that haven't been discussed in a while about this. And secondly, we saw the drop in the quarterback market from Russell Wilson to Carson Wentz in one day. There aren't many good options out there, and once again, Mason Rudolph is currently at the top of the depth chart in Pittsburgh. And I think anyone who is capable of any objectivity would say that from a quarterback standpoint, even with five years on the couch, Colin Kaepernick is better than Mason Rudolph. Let's take a break. Mason Rudolph is not a free agent. Colin Kaepernick is. Others become free agents next week. We'll begin our preview of 2022 free agency right after this here on PFT Live. 